0: He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet, Jesus answered. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Heavenly Father, help us to be beers and doers of your word. Help us to humble ourselves this very moment and to submit to who you are, to our King, to our Lord, to our Master. Heavenly Father, thank you for washing our feet. Even when we are in our sin, you came and you rescued us and you saved us from this wretched life. Heavenly Father, save us from our rebellious ways. Forgive us, Lord, of our pride. And Lord, we humble ourselves to you this very morning. And with the rain outside, as it washes away all the dirt, Lord, may the blood of Christ wash away all of our iniquities and all of our sins. Lord, we submit to you right now. And I pray, Lord, as you transition to your message, Lord, may the words of my mouth and may the meditation of all the hearts for those who are listening here today, Lord, may it be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. We love you. We thank you. We give you all the glory and all the honor. pray all these things, your precious son just caused me pray. All of God's people pray. Amen. 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 And amen. 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 God bless you. Let's take our seat and let's take a moment to greet our fellow neighbors before we begin. Um, it's good to be in the house of the Lord here this morning. I'm here, very excited to be here with you, uh, to share the Word of God with you uh, this very morning, and I pray that the Lord will speak and that we will, in turn, listen with humility and submit to Him. Amen? Uh, With that, uh, let's continue on with our uh, Real Faith series. We are now on Part 8, and the title of today's message is Pure Religion pure religion ultimately it is not a religion it is a relationship and that's what god desires from us so may we understand what it means when in james 1 it's particularly here in verse 26 to 27 where it says pure religion pure and faultless religion and that is the kind of religion that god accepts so with that let's go to verse 26 and read our main scripture here this morning. And here it says, Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a time rain on their tongues deceive themselves. And their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Amen. And amen. So, the mark of a true Christian, James is teaching us here this morning. The mark of a true Christian is someone who, number one, has a bridled tongue. What do I mean by a bridled tongue? It's a harness, it's a bit, a rein used to restrain the animal's head. In other words, it is controlled, contained, restrained, to have a tight rein on their tongue. It's like near Central... What is it called? Century Park? Century. So, oh, boy. I <laughs> said Central. Yeah, in Century Park. What is it again? Central. central. Okay, Central Park. You see the cops on horses, and they all have a bit on the horse's face. If not, I'm sure they'll go nuts because of all the distractions they have, the protection so they see what is in front of them. So as Christians, we must have a bridal tongue. In other words, a harness, a bit to have a tight rein on their tongue, a controlled tongue. But every day we encounter individuals, especially Christians, who profess their love for Jesus, yet They seem to have loose tongues, and we find that often when we go to cafes or to restaurants or even us as a church. When we go, we tend to have loose tongues at times. And we speak of others' lives as it is the very air that we breathe, gossiping, spreading rumors, speaking about others' lives, spreading false rumors, speaking about themselves with arrogance and boasting of their success, breaking and putting others down with their words. When we're at restaurants, we speak down on service workers, looking down on people who work lesser jobs, picking on individuals who are the least of these, as it says in Matthew 25, using them, tricking them, abusing them for their benefit. But the scripture here is reminding us that it all begins with what you say and how you speak with your tongue. And as Christians, we should not live in this manner. James is speaking to us to live fearfully before the Lord, for he takes account of every word that is spoken that comes out of your lips. If not, we will face a rude awakening of God's wrath. As it says in Matthew 12, verse 30 to 37, it says, Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. And so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. In other words, the words that come out of our mouth. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for what? For every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you'll be acquitted. And by your words, you will be condemned. And in the following future, in James chapter 3, we're going to go in, in depth, in detail, with the tongue, with what we speak. But here I'm just going to just kind of give you a sample, just real quick. It says in James 3 1 to 12, it says, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow brothers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When you put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we could turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder where the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. consider what a great force is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also, tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord, our Father, and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My dear, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. And Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. What is the fruit? Is what comes out of our mouth. So as Christians, please watch what you say. And with what comes out of your mouth. As it says in verse 26 in our main scripture here, as James says, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. And their religion is worthless, meaning you don't have a relationship with Jesus. That is one of the fruit of someone being a Christian, a true Christian or a fake Christian. So again, point one has a bridal tongue point two has true compassion again the mark of a true Christian is someone who has true compassion it says here in James James is teaching us the mark of a true Christian is someone who has true in other words genuine sincere compassion letter A it is grounded in the, the three H triple H his favorite wrestler, right? 3H, letter A, grounded in humility, B, grounded in honesty, and C, grounded in holiness. I'll say it again, humility, honesty, and holiness. Let's break this down real quick. So why humility? Because with compassion, right, when we encounter a sad situation, when we encounter an individual who is in need. When humility is absent, we never what? Lower ourselves, right? If you remember back when we went to the city, uh, when we were giving away uh, scarves, gloves, and we would encounter people on the street, I think he's the only one that I, like, they, were, they didn't want to talk to. <laughs> but as we went to these individuals, what did we do? We what? We lowered ourselves right we got on our knees and we lowered ourselves and when humility is absent we never lower ourselves and if we never lower ourselves and if you have never lowered ourselves we will always think that we are better than what we are and we will always think that we are better than the person that we are helping and that is not the case the reality is, despite whatever we have, whatever we think we have, the roof on our heads, the food at the table that we eat, the food that we eat, the clothing that we wear, at the end of the day, we're all on equal grounds. Because we will all die. The same life that we live, we will all take that final breath. And the opposite to humility is what? Is pride. What is pride? The elevation of the self. Not just the self, but the self-interest. The interest. My my interest comes first. What I want first. This to me is all that matters. I don't care if Francis doesn't like entropy. I like it, so I want it first. It's what I want, and that is the most important thing. And as long as I get what I want and I get to do what I want. But the Bible speaks against pride, to that kind of mentality. He calls us to serve one another, to place others' interests above our own, not compromise, but to lower oneself and to elevate the person next to you. Philippians 2 is a good example of this, verse 1 through 11. And the heading says, imitating Christ's humility. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, compassion, then make my joy complete, Paul is saying, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in Spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but what? Rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Why do we need to do this? Why is Paul calling us to do this? Because Paul, he is doing it himself. He is putting others' interests above him, above his own. He is in prison. Keep in mind, he is in prison as he is writing this letter. He is bondaged. And chain by sharing the love of Christ, the compassion of Christ, serving one another, humility, watch out for pride. Why? Because He gives us the core. Verse 5 to 8 is the core of this passage. Why? Why should we humble ourselves? Why? Why should I humble myself for a stranger, for this individual? Because Christ did it for us. And that's what Paul reminds us here in verse 5. He says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Why? Because who is talking about Christ. Who, being very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing but taking the very nature of a servant, being made a human Likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. A lot of times we like to use our titles to get ahead or to not do certain things because we think we have made it or because we have the pulpit or the title. But the reality is as Christians, if we do not make ourselves into nothing, as Christ did as a servant in human likeness, the incarnation of Jesus, Jesus coming into this world as an infant, there is no act of greater humility than that. Found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, going obedience to death on a cross. There is no greater humility than that. And that is the example that Christ calls us to follow. And that is the kind of leader that we should all strive for. We need to pray that the Lord will humble us and bring us to our knees. Because when we humble ourselves, that's when the Lord will lift us up. Verse 9, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and what? And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God, the Father. Amen. And amen. amen. Grounded in humility, and be why honesty, In the past, I was told and many others have said that there will come a day when clowns shall entertain and amuse the goats in the church. And the reality is, it is here. Uh, The church is no longer really a church. It's become an institution where uh, it's all about money, it's all about Let's just say the main thing is not in the picture and the main thing is Christ. And at the same time, our church is the same way. We have to be careful. We always have to watch ourselves, keep ourselves in check. Why honesty? Because we live in a world that's full. Nowadays, especially now, there are many actors and influencers and we often find ourselves asking what is real and what is not. But as Christians, Everything we do must be real. It must be genuine. It must be honest. Not before other people, but before God. And if we're honest before God, then what we do, our fruit, the life that we live, will bring forth honesty. And why holiness? Because it must come from the source. You cannot be holy by yourself. We cannot be holy by trusting Mother Teresa, Buddha, an individual. We become holy by going to the source. And who is the source? Is our maker, is our king, is Jesus Christ. Because he is holy and we are created in his image, we seek the source. And that is where we gain our holiness in our conduct, in our thoughts, in our words, in our actions. So the mark of a true Christian is someone who has true compassion, grounded in humility, grounded in honesty, grounded in holiness, the Triple H. And lastly, point number three, the mark of a true Christian is someone who Who what? Loves and serves the least of these. Loves and serves the least of these. The most beautiful person in this room is not someone who has uh, the prettiest eye, the most voluminous hair, the tallest, the most handsome, who has the prettiest nose, who is dressed the best. That is not the most beautiful person. In this room, the most beautiful person is not the most charismatic. No, that's not the case. In God's eyes, the most beautiful individual, the most beautiful person in this room is the individual who lowers themselves, who loves and serves the least of these Let's look at the main scripture in verse 27 in James 1. It says, Religion that our Godfather accepts, as pure and faultless is this. What is it? It's not to look good for church. It's not to dress your best at church. It's to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Orphans, widows in the first century church, they were helpless, they were hopeless, they had a hopeless life. They had little to nothing with absolutely no support. And oftentimes, they would become nothing more than beggars on the street, they would be hungry, they would sell themselves, they would sell their bodies, and they would become slaves. And the Bible is making it very clear through the book of James, all throughout the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible makes it very clear that even though these individuals, they are mocked, forsaken, frowned down upon, betrayed by the world, mocked by the world, you fellow Christians, you fellow followers of Christ, you must never overlook them. You must not leave them abandoned. You need to attend to their needs, those who need comfort. You are to love them. You are to be kind to them. You are to be patient with them. You are to serve them. And that is the kind of attitude and the heart that we must all carry. But this cannot happen on our own. You just cannot change yourself in this way. Because we're all selfish to the core of who we are as human beings we are. But only Christ, the power and the touch of the Holy Spirit can change you to serve and to love and to lower yourself. And if you lack compassion, you need to ask God to transform your heart. And from the overflow of your heart, we do and we act and we speak. Later in the competition, we're going to see uh, Edward. Uh, he is 10 years old, very cute, uh, son of Q. He's one of uh, the guy who does judo, and, and you'll see him. And just look, look at the way I talk with him. I love that kid, you know. I hold his hands, and I play games with him. Not because, you know, like I like, I don't think I like kids that much, I don't know, but just from the heart, when I look at it from, the view of Christ with my eyes. I just love him, and I care for him, and Q knows that. And it just comes from the overflow, from the love, the relationship, the humility that was shown in my life through Christ. And when we encounter these individuals who seem as if they're the least of these, but to be honest, we are part of that group, all of us are christ came down to us he didn't leave us as orphans out on the street he took care of us he brought us in he gave us food to eat a drink to drink he fed us clothed us restored us and we are no longer orphans out on the street but we become a child of god and james 1 here particularly verse 27 he's reminding christians to love, to be kind, and to be patient, and to serve. Who? Orphans, widows. And in that category comes a bunch of individuals like nursing home, patients, the elderly, those who cannot help themselves. We serve them as Christ served us. One of the most beautiful example of Christ serving us I mean everything he did he served us I mean he was truly a servant leader right and and I don't claim to be you know a good pastor or, or or try to pretend to be you know that I did something good but I just go always go back to this passage and I just go back to the beginning when we start our ministry where you know, when there are only two, three, or when we have few members, not that we have many members now, but uh, just serving, you know, just when it's someone's birthday, going out and getting the cake. Uh, I had this thing where I would make sure everyone eats first and then I eat last. Now it's kind of like the opposite. Um, but I just always go back to what Christ did for us. And because he loved us first, we do what we do. And it's okay to be last. It's okay to be second and third. But I believe that as you transition to a new season of next year, and as today is the mark of Advent, that we need to go back to a servant attitude where we serve one another. And in John 13, it gives a scripture where it's not on the screen, but it says he came to Simon Peter. And it's a story about Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. Why? Because he loved them as his own. He loved them. It says he knew Judas, the betrayer, the traitor was right there with him, yet he still washed the feet of each and every single one of the disciples. And then it says in verse 6, he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? It's always Peter, right? Always talking back. Are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. And this happens right before he's about to be crucified on the cross. He's about to die for our sins. Just as I said in Philippians chapter 2, he became obedient to death in appearance as a man. He humbled himself, even obedient to death, even death on a cross. He's doing it right here as we speak. And right before he dies on the cross for us, even that alone is enough, God. But yet he goes and he lowers himself. He's on his knees. The feet, the dirtiest part of the body, especially at that time. Without shoes, shoes were, the feet were not covered. Even with judo, it's dirty with the feet, right? But back then, with sandals, walking, the filth, he lowers himself. And he washes the feet of his disciples. And he says what? Unless I wash you, you have, you will have, you have no part with me. And when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked that. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should, what? Wash one another's feet. You should. It's not just for you to receive the washing of your feet. But now we are to what? Extend. And to live a life that serves. To get on our knees and to get our hands dirty. To serve. To serve the poor. To help with our hands. To do something good with our hands. To allow our eyes to see what is the truth. Because none of this stuff matters. The material things, everything, the success of this life, the fame, having a good job, all that are extra blessings. Yes, thank the Lord. But that is not the main thing. The main thing is we need to serve God. And with what we have, with the means that we have, we serve with our hands. That is the example that you should do as I have done for you. Why? It's not just a commandment. It's not just a command to do, but it's to be that individual, to become that individual, and to become that person who is humble, who is compassionate. The only way is you cannot change yourself. I cannot change myself because I was once very selfish, full of myself, self-centered, and I did whatever I wanted. But what leads a proud person to a place of humility? is understanding who He is and how big our God is. And because our God is a big and a powerful God and He loves us and He lowered Himself for us, as it says in Philippians 2, humbled Himself, being obedient to death on a cross, washing the feet of His disciples, Judas Himself, who even though He knew He would betray Him, we cannot give up in continuing our endeavors in our walk with the Lord. You know, to be honest, you know, this season, has been a lot of reflecting, especially this year. And, you know, sometimes I ask myself, how am I able to continue? You know, especially when newcomers come, or how can I continue that pure heart, a new perspective, Lord, so that I don't become jaded? Because a lot of pastors, they become jaded they become hardened, and, and we forget, you know? And with, that's with everything, right? Even nursing, with the things that we do in our jobs. With Ronnie, too, he codes, but I don't know if you can have compassion for coding. I guess the coworkers that you work with, when you can't understand their accent. Being patient and understanding. And we need to always ask the Lord, To bring us to a place to the main thing. And what is the main thing? It is Christ. And when you're cut off from the source, the main thing, then we will drift away, lost out in the ocean. So when storms come, we are left alone. And we will drown. And we will never make it to our destination. But when we have the lifeboat, I always say, whenever you go and rescue someone, put on the life, the vest with the string attached, go as far as Christ can lead you. And I pray that your string that is attached to him will continue to grow longer and longer and longer, but never be cut away from the source. If you do, you go deep enough in the cave, you will find yourself lost in the cave. Trying to help somebody, make sure you do it wisely. Don't go above and beyond what you can do. Only do what Christ has placed in your heart to do. And as you do it faithfully each day, with a pure heart, you'll grow stronger. The fear that what you can't see in in front of you in the dark will become less for Christ will be right there with you the yoke of Christ will guide you and the word of God will be the light unto our path and why do we do this because our God is a good father Psalm 68 5 he is a father to the fatherless and a defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. Why? Because he is holy. And he loves the least of these. And he calls you to serve the least of these. And that, my friends, is what a pure religion is. Any religion that do not serve the least of these, is a useless religion, according to James 1. And I'm closing with this point uh, in number three. And at this time, I'll ask the praise team to come up. And I know I I read a lot of scripture here today, but I just want to really make sure I read this because, again, today is Advent. Uh, Just to understand Advent, Uh, There are two Advents, right? And we're not focusing on Advent now because as a church, we've gone over Advent many times and we should have a full understanding of what Advent is. But just quickly, what is Advent? Uh, The first Advent is the birth of Christ, the coming of Christ that happened already, right? And we celebrate it. We celebrate leading up to Christmas, right? To Christmas Sunday, but there is the second part when you flip the coin there's the other Advent and the second Advent has not happened yet what is that Advent? it's the coming of Christ when he first came to, in, as, in Advent he came as a lamb lamb to be what? to be slaughtered as an innocent lamb like in Exodus when they put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost the frame and the spirit of death passed over that was a foretelling of a prophecy that Jesus Christ is the innocent lamb as he was wrapped in a blanket on a barn right in a manger and Jesus would be the innocent lamb to grow up and to eventually die on the cross for us that is Advent we celebrate the birth of Jesus as an innocent lamb that's what we say he is the lion and the lamb And the second Advent he comes not as a lamb but he comes as the lion, the lion. Not like Satan where he is like the roaring lion, pretending to be a lion, but he will come as the lion to judge the living and the dead. And we wait for the second Advent. And in that passage, with understanding what Advent is, it says in Matthew 25, the coming of Jesus and how we live our life, everything is connected, is intertwined together, and it says in Matthew 25, it says the sheep and the goats. What did I say earlier? We will come a time where clowns will entertain the goats in the church. But what should a church be? A true church is a shepherd. A shepherd that will lay down his life for the sheep. A pastor who will lay down his life for the members. That is a true church when members lay down their lives for one another, sacrificing themselves to love one another and to help one another, that is a church. That is the mark of a true church. But these days we live in a church. It is filled with goats, wolves in sheep clothing, pretenders, and we cannot tell the difference between what is true and what is not true. And the best way to know what is true to what is fake again look at the fruit the fruit of their words the fruit of their action. it says here in Matthew 25 the heading says the sheep and the goats it says when the son of man comes in his glory it's talking about the advent the second coming of Christ when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him he will sit on his glorious throne he will come as a king the king and no one will deny that he is the king the Lord and the Savior. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd. Again, He is the true shepherd. Shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. Then the king will say to those on His right, Come, and You who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Why? Why do the sheep get a special treatment? Why? Here is the answer. It says here in verse 35, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. So when we serve in nursing home, when we help the least of these, whatever little thing that we do, a drink that we buy, little money that we give, in any way, a a prayer, an encouraging word, we do it for Christ. And ultimately, we do it for our brothers and sisters that is the way that he will separate the sheep from the goats. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, prepare for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat, I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink, I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison. You did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these you did not do for me, then they will go away to eternal punishment but the righteous to eternal punishment life. Amen. And amen. So one of the the truest mark of being a true Christian and I'm struggling with this too every day. I ask God, Lord, help me to be on the right side. And again, we're not saved by work but it is the overflow of the relationship with Christ that allows us to do good works. Right? Ephesians 2, 8, 9, 10, right? It is by grace you have been saved, but it's not just that. It's not ourselves. It's the gift of God, but what it say. But you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do good works. That's where it says Ephesians 2, 10, to do good work. You are created as his workmanship to do, to be his mouthpiece, to be his hands and, and his feet. One the truest mark of a true Christian, someone who has real faith, are those who love and serve the least of these. So the question, where is your work? What is your work? Are you truly living for Christ by serving the least of these? He says, surely heaven is not guaranteed by works. Yes, that's true. It is not. That's very true. However, a true Christian will show the love of Christ through their words and in their actions in the way that they serve, in the way that they wash each other's feet. It is very fitting today to end today's message, our service with Matthew 25. Again, as I mentioned, as today marks Advent, may we remember Matthew 25, the return of the King, who came first as an innocent lamb, now he is the lion, the true lion who will come to judge the living and the dead. So when the second advent comes, may you be ready. So point letter A, how we have lived, B, how we have served, and C, how we have loved. life is complicating but at the same time it is not it is very simple and as long as we have this in check we're going to be alright just simplify your life let us serve God by serving one another, amen only love true love can happen when you have true love and a relationship, a true relationship with Jesus. So the title of today's message is not pure religion, but it is pure relationship. When you have a relationship, that is what God desires. When you have a relationship out of the overflow, we live and we serve and we love. Amen and then amen. And the relationship is not easy. Right? It will be difficult at times. Right? It is difficult. Christ promises us that he will always walk with us. And he always says what the famous passage, right? Matthew 11, one of my favorite passages. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, right? Take my yoke upon you learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen and amen. And if no matter how difficult life gets, you're able to do it with a new heart new attitude, you do it with joy. You know, these days I'm trying to practice smiling more, trying to find joy in the Lord more. It's hard because I feel like it's just the way my face is at times, but I'm trying, and I'm trying not on my, on my own strength, but asking the Lord to transform me from the inside. out. So I'm asking you, the only way, and I'm urging you, the only way to change is to be under the authority of Christ the relationship with Christ so never stop fighting uh, never stop serving uh, just never stop because that's what the devil wants but keep fighting the good fight Yun, and don't give up uh, men and women of God for that is what you are don't forget your identity because sometimes we forget and we lose ourselves in the way of life but it's okay that's all of us we all do that. But Christ is right there with us to bring us back like the bit in the mouth of a horse. May we have bridal tongue and be yoked with Christ. Amen? Amen, amen and amen. Right. With that, uh, let's just come together and let's take a moment to pray. And the song here, Jesus drove me close. It's very fitting because if you remember back at missions, we did the mind called healer, right? And this is where Jesus he heals each individual with a different pain. One is with the arm. One is with the leg. Another one is with the battle of the mind. And what does Jesus do in this mind? He takes that pain and he what? He places it on himself. He takes it upon as He did on the cross. He will take away all your pain, all your worries, all your anxieties. And He is the source of your strength. Amen and amen. As you sing this song, Jesus, draw me close, closer, Lord, to you. Let the world around me fade away. Jesus, draw me close, closer, to you, Lord, to you. For I desire to worship and obey. Can we just turn to the Lord? And Lord... During this season, as we're about to end this year, as we're now in December, may we, may I finish this year strong. May I change the perspective of my life, where it's going, trajectory of my life, Lord. I want to serve you, and I want to serve your people with love and with humility. And let's just ask the Lord to transform us and to touch us, let us pray together. My Father, we just thank you.
1: came to me close to
0: That's Jesus, true. draw
1: me close, Attitude, you it, you close Lord, to Lord my cross, Lord, you to can you. be transformed inside out, it's For not about my life.
0: You are our God You are the reason that we sing You are the reason that we breathe Because you love us We are able to love one another We
1: are able to
0: forgive. We are able to have compassion
1: Jesus, strong me close, us close, to Lord, to you. For I desire to worship and obey.
0: When you're ready, you can join with us and sing with us. Jesus,
1: draw me close
0: to wash my feet. Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. When you have finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked him, You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord, and teacher have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. And your religion is worthless. Religion that our God Father accepts as pure and faultless as this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. The righteous will answer, And Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you something to drink? When do we see your stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When do we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did, the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Heavenly Father, we submit to your word and to, you, to your will and to who you are. For you, God, you are a holy God and you are a perfect God and you are a God who is alive and is with us here today. You are a God, Emmanuel, you are with us here today. Lord, it's very easy for our heart to grow hardened and to be bitter and to be rebellious, it just takes one wrong step in a slippery slope. But Lord, may we be rooted in our Lord Jesus Christ. Bring us back, Lord, to a place of humility. And Lord, we humble ourselves God, I give you my heart and my life and all that I am. Whatever that is not pleasing in your sight, Lord, transform me and wash me. And Lord, I surrender. And we as a church, we surrender to you. Lead us in a direction that honors you and pleases you. Lord, we thank you for this time of prayer that we had, and the time of worship it was a little bit longer uh, than other Sundays may we finish this year strong as today marks Advent leading to Christmas ultimately to the end of the year and to the new year watch over us Lord help us to finish strong not by might not by power but by the spirit of God who is leading us here today with humility, and with gentleness. We thank you. We love you. Our great shepherd, we love you. And we follow you, Lord. We pray all these things. Your precious son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you. Uh, Right now, uh, may we transition to our offering prayer. So I'll just pray for us uh, let us pray together heavenly father uh, as we give to you we don't give out of pressure or out of compulsion or because we are forced to simply we give to you because it is the overflow of our heart and everything that we have is yours anyway all we are are we are just stewards and managers of the blessings that you have given us and now may we use uh, the monetary things to do good works to further the work of your kingdom here on this earth. Or we remember back when we had um, when we had not much and when we used to meet outside and uh, dojos and different locations. But we just want to really thank you for your provision, particularly just this place and this building. And Most importantly, the church is not the building, but for the members, Lord. Uh, For you have brought us through a a journey filled with trials and testings. Thank you, Lord, for always being with us and watching over us. we submit to you, and we give you all the glory and all the honor. We thank you, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Now we will close our service with our deep roots closing song a theme song and then we'll close the service with the benediction let us sing together to May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And now, may the God of peace, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good in doing his will, and may he continue to work within us what is pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever, and it's God's people we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. amen. All right, God bless you. I love you. I'll see you all in the back. God bless you.